0: The end of radio. I mean, it's kind of ironic, uh, this whole thing. I uh, Right around the time that I was born, around Thanksgiving of 1960, was when pretty much that daytime network radio that had run pretty steadily since the advent of the form as a commercial venture died. And, uh, yeah, my whole radio listening and participatory career has been riding a uh, dying vehicle into some sort of, I mean, it will always be there in some form, but that you know, local radio, forget about. I, there are so few places where there's a local flavor, and that You know, originally they were setting up for networks that would service the whole. But they learned that a lot of certain things work better in a smaller system. And I guess radio doesn't pay for itself anymore as a viable, I mean, I don't know what it costs, kicking out a transmitter, all the fees. Uh, Do you ever try to play copyrighted music? That could also be a consideration. And I mean, they certainly, very few people who work in radio, and uh, I've known quite a few and I've been one, uh, very few make anything resembling like a good living in radio, especially on-air talent. There are people who are uh, advertising sales reps and people like that who make large sums of money and drive fancy cars and wear the nice clothes, but... uh, by and large, I think at most radio stations, the highest paid people are on the sales staff, not on the air. And uh, this is part of what kills, uh, although it's hard to say we did have this wonderful, free-form, golden age that came and went a couple times. And I caught that last wild wave, which I think is exemplified by shows like Over the Edge, uh, Gene Shepherd. Um, a, a lot of the talk radio hosts in what I call, you know, from like 1985 to 1993 or 4, somewhere in there, there was this really amazing time of free-form talk radio audio collage on the air, uh, the ability to play an amazing array of types of music. Just throw it all out there all at once without all of these, you know, no, it has to be this, this, and this. And uh, every hour you start with a fast song and then you slow into a ballad and then you have your first commercial block. And that, you know, how all of these geniuses have structured our listening experience and uh it turned it all into this homogenized product that you turn on the radio in Idaho or Kentucky or Georgia and you're going to hear almost exactly the same songs at the same times Possibly even the same announcers and the same vignettes. Uh, I don't know. That doesn't excite me. This could be the death of radio. With me this week, we're going to hear from Chad Bowers and Frank Edward Nora right here on the Overnightscape Central. I am PQ River, but you knew that. I mean, that's the other. I mean, we call podcasts. We're like radio. But no, you knew what you were clicking on. I didn't need to do that same two-minute introduction that I would do each and every time I do the show and constantly remind you throughout our uh, visit together of what you're doing, where you're listening to, and what it is. No, all of that is now done, and yet we're still in the habit, a lot of podcasters still create something as if, it were going to be played on a radio somewhere. And no, it's not. Uh, yeah, the end of radio. This is it. Um, and here, luckily, there is nothing like the Overnightscape Underground or the Overnightscape Central. And we do provide a unique radio-like, in fact, night radio-like listening experience for you for now and for as long as these little ones and zeros last on some device and there exists a device that will play those ones and zeros back again to people who know whatever language is coming out of my mouth at this moment in whatever dialect form it gets complicated um... Recordings of people's voices speaking in what they thought was plain English could be a problem at some point in the future with ears and how they listen. However, all that aside, I am driveling. I know I'm good at it, but uh, I think we need to hand things over to Chad Bowers at this juncture.
1: P-W-E-I. P-W-E. I FM. Times midnight. I've got some uh, music I found coming up a little later. At the moment, I'm feeding uh, Ziggy my Papillon. Feed him bite by bite. It's a very personal. Uh, Interactive experience feeding Ziggy. It's um, I'd never had a Papillon before, so I didn't know. When people said they were very cat-like, uh, they are. They're they're like if a cat became a dog. So he's a little more friendly, a little more seeking affection, likes to cuddle. But, uh, likes to really snuggle into you as well, like a cat, you know, seeking warmth all the time. And he doesn't wolf his food down. He, uh, sometimes he eats all of his dinner. Sometimes he eats 80% of it. Sometimes he eats, you know, half of it. We've got him in a, uh like a, a training program here in town it's for uh for troubled teens you know anorexia and they don't think it's a problem they they think he's just very continental and very uh very in control of his needs and his senses he likes to sleep about 18 hours a day It's a healthy lifestyle. Lenny Kravitz! See you after the break. PWEI, Captain Scrummy. Hanging out with you in the way AM. It's negative four o'clock. Zulu. We're hanging out uh, feeding Ziggy some food bite by bite over here. Listening to good music while we do so. You like that, uh, that Cindy Lopper? I like that video she made with, uh, with the wrestler dude. That was really cool, you know? It kind of reminded me of, uh, Oh, man. Archers of Loaf, uh, Icky Metal. And the song was, uh, yeah, Icky Metal. So, uh. How does a a slot machine even work? What are the uh, secret mechanisms? And who's controlling them? You know, the Looking Glass experiment is being slowly released um, through sources. And, uh. It's very interesting looking through time making changes the 2030 problem if you've got any savings I would just uh, you know quit your job start painting something like that it's probably the best idea having an old bloodline pass that down it's, Ah, if only you knew. It's weirder than you can think. It doesn't uh, even make sense in conventional terms. multiple, multi-dimensional entities involved. They've been in control of uh, Skee-Ball worldwide for the last 80 years. Every arcade owner paid a little kickback out the back door. This has been known since the late 1970s as far as the initial release. But it's slowly, slowly been repeated. And after all these years, we've got uh, enough people actually looking forward to the information that they can serve as sort of ambassadors to pacify the rest. The idea is that every family should at least have one member trusted, hopefully. Um, It's a pretty good plan. I think it'll work. So, you know, if you're called upon, talk big, don't stop at uh, traditional religious metaphors. Just Go right to the heart of the matter as far as uh, positive and negative. You know, keep it on that scale. It's probably the best way um, to address the issue all the way around for many reasons. But I remember being at a birthday party, playing Pitfall that night for the uh, first time, and on television. Electric Avenue, right here, everybody. We'll be back in a few. That's right, man. When we get down there, we're going to make it higher. It's going to be uh, it's gonna be right on. The thing I was thinking about was the uh, Atari 2600 and the game Elevator Action. Very, very interesting. You played that uh, Super... Mario Odyssey, that's a hell of a game, and uh, I've had it since I bought the Switch a few years ago, but I guess I've sort of discounted it. Maybe the first levels were uh, you know, a bit childish, or seemed like it was just a pain in the ass, you know, finding the moons, and you need enough moons uh, to power up the spacecraft that uh, we're all flying in here. It's its very much a flying hat. It looks like something Baron von Munchausen would have ridden around in. That's quite fantastic. And I, I love the fact that you throw hats through the game, but it wasn't until about an hour in when I reached the new Donk city. And uh, if you don't know, a Donk is a... Uh, like a caprice classic, like a old school caprice classic, from the 70s to the present. The uh, there's kind of like two generations really. It's like those early ones that were real boxy. Then you got the uh, the big balloon caprices. Can you remember uh, when the popo drove around in them big uh, balloon cars, inflated? Well, that's what we're talking about here. These things uh, with the addition of a 20-inch rim jacking the car up as though it were a carriage. Uh, to me, these donks always appear as if they are uh, a carriage from the uh, you know, go-west era of America. I'm always um, thinking how wonderful it would be to have a mechanical horse up front. A team of them pooling you. And uh, the drama, that might add, it would be absolutely pimptastic. But this new dark city, you know, I'm jumping around, I'm, I'm going up the sides of buildings with these... Uh, it's like a lightning rod. I throw my hat at this lightning rod, and I become electricity, and I fly up the side of the building, and next thing you know, I'm on top of it. And uh, I'm walking to the edge of the building, and I find this scooter. And I'm thinking, uh, this is cool. I guess I'm going to drive around this building. But there's a switch up ahead. And if you uh, drive over the switch, this magical roadway appears between the building you're on and other buildings. So uh, I get ready to do this. I go up there. Uh, I get speeding out, you know speeding motorcycle daniel johnson everybody we'll be right back after uh we listen to mr johnson talk to us about speeding motorcycle never daniel we've always got a place in our heart for you and any speeding conveyance you may choose to sit upon So you figure out you need more time, you know, I turned around quickly and I came back to the, uh, the building and I'm walking around the building and I get back on my scooter and I, I realized the only way to do is just to gun it straight ahead, ride over the button. The moment you ride over the button, the road will appear. So the split second later when your scooter is over top of it, you will not fall from the sky. And you got to burn it around this track these 90 degree turns to make it over to this other building and then when you get there you find a little pipe in the wall and you go up to the pipe and you're sucked in but all of a sudden you turn into a two-dimensional projection on the side of the building now you're 2D Mario there's many levels where you're experiencing Donkey Kong levels of uh, originality as far no original ness. Uh, the nest, you know, like Elliot Ness or uh, the nest. I guess birds have nest. God I love birds. To me they'll always be real. Although as we've found out recently uh, they're not I think we need some uh, flock of seagulls right here telecommunication indeed if I would have only taken that advice and put all my money into telecommunication stocks as soon as The flock of seagulls told me to over my radio as I taped the output of WABB FM right into my portable Craig recorder, recording onto the uh, compact cassette format. Still a damn good format. I, uh, I don't think I'm done with it yet, you know, not until... I get my hands on a Nakamichi Dragon cassette deck. Just, uh, you know, it just gives me shivers thinking about it. It's uh, just a fantastic piece of equipment. One of the problems with a cassette deck is bias. you got to keep your uh, the head lined up pristinely. You've only got a quarter inch of tape to play with. Now, when you've got, like, a half-inch tape, you know, you've got a lot, 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 lot more room. You know, it's kind of algorithmic at that point, because you're expanding all the way across, you know, the information that's basically good enough, if under perfect circumstances, as would be the case if you had a Nakamichi Dragon, um, and particularly if you, uh, bought a CD and had a good transport and had a good digital to analog converter and you had that connected directly uh, into the back of the Nakamichi Dragon and you inserted a uh, a cell with a ceramic case shell from about 1987. They were solid black and the tape was a cobalt material and it was blacker than night, shiny, just like uh, Andrew Eldridge's hair. Hell, or his pupils. Sisters of Mercy, everybody. Black Planet. God, I gotta love a good Patricia Morrison uh, moment. <laughs> I had one while listening. I uh, just like to think about her. And I don't even know she was at the band at that point, but, uh, you know, in my heart. Here's the, uh, here's the thing about Super Mario Brothers Odyssey. It's an absolutely beautiful game. One you uh, should share with family or yourself. It's something to do uh, while you feed Ziggy. Or something to do late at night if you wake up and the ship is rocking. Yeah, you can't beat hanging out with your... Uh, Plumber friend from your youth. It's me, Mario, live right here on P W E I P W E I F M. Yeah, I hope radio won't die. I uh, I enjoyed radio quite a bit, both as a, a youth recording it onto my Craig cassette recorder i had some techniques speakers and i would tow them in and put the recorder right there you know hoping to capture some of that uh, left right magic of stereo and it may have done so it did have uh, tiny condenser mics and uh i don't know if it was two cheap microphones wired in mono or uh If they went all out and did the stereo, the uh, silk screen that would have said something like that had been worn off from my brother cleaning it when it was his possession, with alcohol. And uh, he did a good job getting the scratches and the uh, boogers and whatnot, booger glue, airplane glue, residue, nasal residue. You know how it is being a youth in the 70s. You've got to clean up socks you leave, uh, you know, stuffed under the mattress and, uh, the, uh, magazines you have hidden. Perhaps the air vent, uh, if one were to loosen it and look behind it, you know, there might be a, a storage area there. Sort of the theory matriculation of molecular particles through the airways of the house. A good idea, like, uh, trying to hide strawberries by putting a strawberry sachet in the air conditioner next door to where you hid the strawberries in a barrel one of those donkey kong barrels made out of solid wood used to store whiskey for 30 to 40 years before it reaches your precious nostrils the type of whiskey that we sell at our bar, The Incredible True Facts of Space. Come see us, we're down on the dark side of LaCroix. You're welcome to visit LaCroix Island with any purchase of a timeshare, but it's one that uh, you will enjoy. This is a timeshare where we all buy into a reality creation machine and then every year you get one month to create your own reality. We need 12 members. Uh, Each one while they're in the reality creation machine during that month as they see fit. uh, There's no issue living any amount of lifetimes you hope to lead uh, during that time but for, uh, for memory recall They say you can get about uh, three years in uh, during a one month stay. So uh, I think you'll dig this. It comes with a cryogenic package to freeze your brain afterwards, and uh, Elon Musk has funded the whole thing. So it's pretty cool to know that you will be going to Mars in the record banks. And, um, you know, perhaps someone will listen to... uh, Your thoughts or engage you or speak to you again after your death. Your pattern will live on. So I think it's pretty cool. And uh, I think if you and I have like a good pancake breakfast together, um, we'll build some Legos, you know, I'll show you some building techniques that have heretofore been uh, secret, you know, upon. Punishment of death. These are some serious illegal Lego building
0: techniques. I am so in on all of this. This this is what it used to be, and I don't think I mean we have review bra with two. If you haven't heard his podcast, uh, do a little digging. It's out there, and uh, he he's a, he's a voice in the night. He's one of them, one of perhaps us, if you are going to include the Overnight Scape Underground. And I would appreciate being included, but I don't know. I feel like I have uh, lofty aspirations yet to be like that, but I don't think I have 100% nailed it in a way that... That uh, you know somebody like Frank, or of course you know the 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 Gene Shepherds of the world, or even Shedd. Shed has this comfort zone he seems to work out of. That uh, I'm I'm always in this struggle of uh, what to say, how to say it, when to say it. There, I I don't feel I have that radio ease. I feel like I'm always is struggling in the moment to structure my thoughts and sometimes it works and it, it, I, it's groovy when things like that happen I mean it's just like Chet's talking about skee-ball there and and I'm thinking wow that this is something I can address because regardless of anything I don't think many people have spent as many hours in front of skee-ball lanes um, Much of my uh, youth employment involved working, as I've mentioned, in an arcade, watching people play skee-ball and making sure that either hand dispensing the tickets. The first year I worked in an arcade, they had not installed those cute little machines that spit out the tickets at the bottom, which are their own mechanical nightmare which it would almost, uh, the the early ones just, you were constantly fixing them anyhow. But once they got them going, I guess it saved a lot of labor. Can you imagine spending an eight-hour shift as a kid watching people roll ski balls and make sure they're not cheating and count out their tickets every nine balls they roll? all day long and you'd probably once you were good watch about four lanes at a time and keep track of four players and be counting out tickets and giving them more change and all of that stuff uh, what a job. What, what a career. But I suppose if skee-ball had become as big as those people in uh, what Lansdale, Pennsylvania, is where the masterminds of skee-ball first congregated and started their assault on the American amusement industry. Oh, man. There could have been a whole... And I saw skee-ball lanes, and they're different they've got this it used to be a 50 in the middle was the most you can get now up in the top corner somewhere is this little random hole that's a hundred and the lanes are much shorter yes i know when you're a kid things look bigger but that's not ski ball lanes are Uh, less than two-thirds the length of a real skee-ball lane as it was in 1973 and I I would swear to that in a court of law I tell you and uh, on that dubious note I think we should hand this all over and see what Frank Edward Nora will add to the death of radio
2: at the uh, dawn of MTV of course, the very first video they played, I believe it was 1981, uh, the Buggles, Video killed the radio star, right? And I think that song sort of was, was the message was on several levels. I think that, uh, I think the song was somewhat talking about the the end of radio, um, that is, old-time radio as we know it, uh, and how uh, radio was tr- really changed and transformed because television took over around the late 1940s, I think, is when that all started. So, right, that's video killed the radio star. Like, television took over uh, from radio as, as the dominant uh, you know, uh, content broadcasting system. Also, of course, on MTV, the thought that musicians now would be seen on video as opposed to just heard on the radio with their songs. But I think in, in, in any case, that moment in 81 uh, was talking about how, right, there's these uh, uh, upheavals in, in technology that intersect with culture in such huge ways. And we saw that happening uh, so much in the 20th century, uh, one upheaval after another. I'd rather use the word upheaval than disruption. That that, that feels very cliched these days. But... Um, You know, going back not even too, too long to the uh, the dawn of being able to record sound. Um, the kind of uh, perhaps apocryphal story that I remember hearing is that Thomas Edison in New Jersey uh, hired a bunch of uh, smart guys to invent things, and a guy invented uh, audio recording. I think at the time it used a kind of a cylinder with foil on it, a little stylus, right, and um, he demonstrated to Edison that, well, I'm going to record my voice. And he recorded it, and Edison was like, wow, great invention, guy. Yeah, let's set this aside. Why don't you work on something really important? You know, Apparently that was Edison's reaction to it, that, that it was this kind of, okay, great invention. Wow, you can record sound. Great. I mean, of course, Thomas Edison, by many accounts, seemed to have been kind of an asshole. But anyway... Uh, Not really sure what caused that, or even if... I I would have to look it up to double-check if I have the story straight, but eventually we got to the point where the first major... I know there were other systems. I know there was originally someone was able to record uh, audio photographically, but they had no way of playing it back, right? Someone found them, and using a computer, they did play them back. So those were the first recordings, I think. But again, this is later 1800s. It's not... You know, it would seem that, you know, as 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 you could notice uh, something vibrating as sound hits it, you know, you'd think you'd be able to come up with some kind of mechanism before that 150 years ago, whatever it was. But I guess no one figured it out. Anyway, so the Edison Cylinder was like the first commercially available uh, product where you could have a few minutes of sound on each cylinder then they moved to the flat records and the rest is history obviously we know all the different audio formats that have existed the sort of set audio formats the cassettes the CDs yada yada you know but you know these were you know pretty short you know like uh, a couple minutes or eventually the L- the long player that came along uh not sure exactly what year that was, but I'm thinking 40s or 50s, sort of like 23 minutes per side in general. I know you could pack a little more on there, but you can't go too far. So if you were to, uh, you know, if you wanted to listen to something that was like, I don't know, 10 hours long, you'd have a stack of these things and you'd have to swap swap them out every few minutes. It wouldn't be very fun. So what did they release? Mostly songs, a song. Right? Is something you can listen to over and over again and gain pleasure and meaning from. You know, and almost sort of benefits from being so short, right? I know there were some spoken word stuff, speeches, and things like that, but in general, it was music, right? That really seemed to fit that format. Um, and I think pretty much ever, ever since, up until digital times, uh, the the, the media for for audio has been um, very much focused on music, right? Because, you know, if you want to hear, like, you know, today's news and the weather, you're not going to spend a huge amount of money on, like, a record for it and play it once, and then what, right? It's just one of those things. Why not? Maybe instead of delivering the newspaper, they could deliver a record to your house every day, and you listen to the record, right? Which, who knows, if radio didn't come along, if it wasn't a feasible technology, that's what would have happened, right? You would have gotten a record delivered to you every day with today's news, and it would have been like radio. But as it so happened, uh, right, the uh, idea of uh, transmitting electromagnetic waves... Through through what uh, this is a whole other issue because how the hell does radio work, right? Um, right so the so radio became the home not only of music but of the ephemeral of, of the stuff that was you just need to hear once essentially, like today's oh, what's the traffic today, you know, things like that. you don't need to hear that multiple times, like a song, right? So it's just naturally different kinds of audio content are more suited to uh, a, a, a format like radio, right on the On the subject of like how radio really works, I mean, you know, electromagnetic waves, okay. Well, I understand waves. If, if there's a very still pond and you toss a pebble in it, you see those waves rippling out. right? Great. That's what radio waves are like. When you see a cartoon of the radio waves, you know you see those concentric circles coming out of the transmitter. But what is the medium? What medium is it? Is it exciting? i mean, obviously water. Is is like stuff? It's like matter. And you know, if you apply energy to it, right, the uh, the it, it, the energy uh, passes on to uh, other instances of the same media. Let me actually look this up, because this is... Because I I was, you know, we were actually talking about ether yesterday, A-E-T-H-E-R, like the theory of the medium that electromagnetic radiation waves travel through. But then I thought ether was discredited. Hmm, let's check this out. Well, here's one explanation I found, which sounds a bit fishy. Electromagnetic waves are the oscillation of... All right, so hold on, let me go back here. Radio waves differ from electro from mechanical waves in that they do not require a medium to propagate. The electromagnetic waves are the oscillation of the electric and magnetic fields in space, which are force fields, which exist without a medium. They are just there. Gee, I, I love when science gets to this point. Well, they're just there, you know. They are created by electrical charges and currents and they extend from their source through the vacuum across the entire universe. When an electric charge and or current oscillates, it causes the electric and magnetic field to oscillate. But these oscillations don't appear instantaneously everywhere. They propagate at the speed of light from the oscillating source and thus you get electronic waves. I don't think that's... a necessarily the best explanation let me me see let me see here right it sounds like they're saying there is no medium but there is a medium Hmm. all right i found a more in-depth article and we get to this point they talked about how ether was theorized and experiments were set up to detect it and in fact i remember in in that book by thomas pinch on the uh uh, against the day, they were talking about the ether experiment, ether experiments there, which did not um, produce any, any results to prove ether. This is what it says here. This doesn't mean, however, that we've disproven the existence of the ether. All we've proven, and indeed all we're capable of proving, is that if there is an ether, it has no properties that are detectable by any experiment we're capable of performing. So, that's a very interesting, uh, you know, I, I rarely see that in scientific literature. They would say, well, we can't detect it, therefore it doesn't exist. <laughs> you know? God. Oh, they say, as Carl Sagan famously said, absence of evidence is not evidence of absence. We have no proof that the ether exists, but can never prove the negative, that no ether exists. Yeah. Anyway, so I think it remains kind of a kind of a mystery. How how do you pass an electrical charge through a piece of metal, and then ripples out in in some way that can be detected, that can be picked up by a similar device a distance away? Um, so it remains unexplained, I guess. Yeah. And, I mean, uh, you know, it it would be, I think, possible to imagine a world where just radio just didn't work, you know. Obviously, we have electromagnetic electromagnetic transmission of light. But the idea that you can sort of effectively have a a metal tower and just run electricity through it uh, at different levels and produce a wave that can be picked up,
0: it's great that it works. Just a quick note. There is a novel that Vladimir Nabokov uh, wrote, the guy who wrote best known for Lolita and Pale Fire, but he wrote this epic combination like... uh, tolstoy science fiction russian epic historical novel that makes absolutely no sense historically called ada and one of the uh, contrivances of this novel is as society came up indeed transmission through airwaves never was discovered or caught on and every uh, the telephones and all of everything is run through water Somehow, these pipes of water through contrivances, but yeah, uh, that the the ether may not have been discovered in some tunnel realities, and certainly at least in uh, this weird and wonderful. I mean, if you're into that kind of literature, you know, like Thomas Pynchon, um, Nabokov's Ada might, uh, fulfill something literary that you hunger for, uh. In that sort of thing, and uh, yep, yeah, then back to the show. Marconi, right, was the guy that, that figured it all out. Although, whenever you read anything about
2: the guy that popularly invented something, you always see an article that's like, what, someone else invented it really, and then this person just took credit for it, you know. Let me see if that's the case. Here we go. Fa- famous inventors who don't deserve credit for their most well-known creation, of course. Why, why is this always the case? <clears throat> Let's see. A German physicist Heinrich Hertz seldom recognized as one of history's most famous inventors. So he was doing stuff. So anyway, most of, most of the actual inventors are just hustlers who uh, were better at promoting themselves. As the originator of these ideas, so I guess it wasn't not Marconi, and it wasn't even Tesla. That's it was some other guy. Well, Hertz, at least he got his name on the some sort of scale of uh, measurement, the Hertz, megahertz. You know, it hurts to not be acknowledged as the inventor of radio. Really, really. Anyway, I'm sitting here by my fire pit. Kind of an overcast day. There's a little bit of water at the bottom of my Fire, fire, actual fire pit. I wonder if I could drop something in there and see some waves. What could I drop in there? Like a little tiny twig? I want to see, I want to just see waves. All right, here's a little, little twig. I'm going to drop it in. It is almost like a little pond in there. See what happens. Yes, the waves are rippling out. Yes. But then they dissipate due to uh, the dissipation of energy, friction, what have you. That was a pretty cool demonstration of radio. But of course, right, a radio allowed for um, someone sitting in a building with a microphone to be talking. their voice. when you talk, you're vibrating the air using your biological equipment, a microphone. Has a uh, a little diaphragm of some sort that moves as your voice is vibrating in the air, and that can, through through a mechanism, uh, translate the, the the pattern of movement from a physical to electrical, and that can then be amplified and delivered to a tra- a transmitter, right? So then your voice has been transmit has been changed from a, a mechanical pressure on uh, gaseous particles to now uh, electromagnetic waves. And we call them air waves, even though they're not technically using the air as their medium, but they go through the air. And uh, can then be picked up by radios, which have similar equipment, uh, uh, an, another little tower, uh, like, a, like a radio antenna, Although AM is the, the the wavelength is is so short, you don't really need an antenna, right? That's the theory. But FM has a longer wavelength. That's why you need an antenna, and then you can uh, pick it up. That antenna is then receiving electromagnetic energy uh, that is uh, can then be amplified within the device and then delivered to a speaker, which is very similar to the microphone. In fact, a lot of microphones, a lot of speakers can be used as microphones. I, I discovered this when I had a pair of headphones and I, I, I didn't bring my microphone and I just plugged it into the my video camera and it just worked because they're essentially the same thing. And then the air is excited again and the sound is reproduced. It really is an amazing process as we use spoken words to communicate the fact that our spoken words can be transmitted across long distances is, is, is a pretty amazing thing. And I guess the early radios and the amount of spectrum that they allotted to them had a very limited uh, capacity. That is, uh, you know you can't just put a radio station on each sub-wavelength because they'd all ble- bleed together. So you have to give it space and define a, 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 a range of frequencies uh, to be used in a public airwave. So I think in the end, I'm not sure how many uh, in, in one place, I don't know how many channels were available in the original uh, AM transmissions, but it seems like it was pretty limited, kind of similar to the original television where there was only 12 channels available. This was sort of defined by the technology and by you know gov- governmental forces but uh, having a radio station was a very expensive proposition and it required government licensing and uh, there's a lot going on so there were very few radio stations they were controlled by big big companies and uh I mean, not always big companies but there were networks and then there's local radio stations but it wasn't like you could you would have like a thousand radio stations, though maybe on shortwave. But anyway, um, so this led to this kind of uh, commonality that is that was very specific to uh, pre-internet times. All kinds of um, media were very expensive to produce and and were controlled by gatekeepers, right? Uh, be them book publishers, magazine and newspaper publishers, music publishers, right? And, of course, radio and television. And it produced a a particular style, which was, right, using the public airwaves, you're supposed to be doing it for the benefit of the public. That was one restriction. And then, whether a uh, for-profit or non-profit organization, right, you're you're producing... um, content that is meant to be useful, educational, or important, or entertaining to people, but you only have a few channels, and you have all the people, so you have to try to create something that that can uh, satisfy a broad swath of the population. Right? So I'm trying to figure out, like, when radio started, and as it developed, this wide variety of programming, from comedy, drama, news, game shows, interview shows, everything right that naturally sort of developed to satisfy this need um, produced something I think very new and I do always trace it back to the um, kind of similar to me at the fire pit here, sitting around the campfire at night, which was I think you know, night was very different in in the past. Uh, before electric lights, right? It was a lot less friendly. It was very dark out. You couldn't see where you were going. There were no flashlights. If you, you would need a torch to walk around. I mean, come on. Or, you know, like you see in the, uh, people carrying a candle around inside their house, right? You know, the, perp, the people wearing their night shirts and night caps. Whatever happened to night caps? You know, people don't have to wear hats to bed anymore. What's up with that? People used to, oh my god, I'm so tired. I have to go to bed. Give me my hat. Like what? You don't need a hat to go to bed. Just lay down. Lay down, you jerk. You don't need a hat. What the hell's up with nightcaps? All right, I better look this up too, even though it's off topic. <laughs> Hold on. Let's see. Nightcaps were worn uh, for a variety of reasons. One of them was to keep warm during the night. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's true. People didn't really have home heating in the past. So you you were laying in bed. Hopefully you had blankets of some sort. But your head had to kind of be out of the blanket so you could breathe and stuff. So that makes sense. Because it was like, if it was freezing, right, you would have to wear a cap. That makes sense. Other reasons were to protect the hair and keep it tangle-free. Yeah, because I guess people... People didn't shower or bathe every day, or every week. Like they, I I know a lot of people say you shouldn't shower and wash your hair every day, even though I do. Um, I know a lot. You don't have to do that, but I guess the nightcap. I guess your hair becomes tangled up like a rat's nest if you don't wear a cap to bed. It also helped maintain a particular hairstyle for several days. Hmm. great. Anyway, but you know, the guy in the nightcap holding that little, like, little metal plate with a candle on it. So if you want to get up and go to the bathroom or whatever you had, a night... uh, one of those chamber pots. Listen, the path sucks, okay? What are people doing? Wearing caps and going... pissing in little pots? I mean, they had no toilets? What's going on with these people? They had no radio? What's wrong with them? They're poor people. Uh... Right? Yeah when you just had a light how would you even light the candle? Do you you didn't have like matches, you didn't have like zippos back then. Listen, it was tough back then probably, you know, come on. Um So anyway, right, people would sit around a fire and they had really nothing to occupy their time other than to talk to each other. So uh maybe people took turns telling stories or relating tales of various things that is a very primal uh, exp- human experience right and with the uh, the idea of the morphic fields the idea that right everything that has existed or will exist all exists in this field of shapes and uh, so I think that radio where there's an announcer, Uh, contextualizing things and then playing music or in the case of game shows, hosting a game show and it's a process, I think it sort of harkens back to the campfire and the uh, you know, Morphic Fields obviously is another one of these things that's uh, not accepted by science but the idea that the way that we uh, interpret reality around us is based on Right so like when you're listening to someone talk you're kind of tuning into all the cases of people hearing people talk all throughout the past and the future I know it's a bit of a far out theory but so radio I think really uh more than being in a case where you're in a room and someone's talking or sitting around a campfire and someone's talking or in a bar and people are talking this is now um a new kind of thing where you are not you're disconnected physically f- from the person speaking like you don't have to acknowledge them you don't have to look at them you don't have to make eye contact right you are now hearing the person talk and uh but you can be doing other things while you're listening you're so you've almost sort of gained with radio you've kind of sort of gained this uh essential human communication uh, but with without the two-way communication. You, don't, you can't talk back to them um, but it is sort of like you are sort of the rapt listener um, in, uh, in, in, in the relationship and uh, this I think relates to, I, I was talking to PQ out in Truth of Consequences about what we do here on the OnSug and the shows we're doing uh, it seems to be tapping into that, and I've been really struggling to define or even put into words what this phenomenon is, but it's something that I feel personally is really super important The, uh, the to, to um, forgetting about the technology, but just a speaker that's somewhat disconnected from the listener, and uh, things being told by the speaker, listened to by the listener, it, it sort of creates something, it, it produces an experience in the listener that is... Uh, very, um, again, I, I can't really put it into words. It's valuable, it's important, it's a type of almost a type of substance, uh, sort of like the air that you breathe. Like hearing radio is almost like a primal, uh, aspect of humanity. Again, as I said, it's hard to put into words. So really, there was the original end of radio, considering radio as the major medium, right? Uh, People would sit around the radio and listen to these shows, and um, when television came around in the late 40s and exploded in the 50s, that... It was like radio in that, like, it's a box in your house that can receive sound just like a radio. But then you also can see the stuff. You can see the people and you see things on there. Right. I'm I'm assuming that most people would have said, wow, it's radio, but just much better because you can see stuff. And uh, I don't really know why radio lost radio changed. And became more music and talk oriented. And, and all the different shows, the, audio, the dramas and the comedies, they, they, they went over to television. Why didn't they just stay on radio and also on television? And I, I think it had to do with the expense, the talent, and a number of other factors. I'm sure, I'm sure this subject has been very much delved into. I'm sure there's many books on this topic. Oh, look, a hawk. Or maybe that's a turkey vulture up there. Cool. Looking for a roadkill. Anyway. Um, yeah, why did that happen? Why did radio get diminished in a way? Why, could, why couldn't television and radio sort of coexist? Like, so I, I guess you could say if you're going uh, like to you produce a TV show and then have a radio version and a video version, but that didn't seem to happen. I, it must have happened to some extent but it seemed mostly like you know like dragnet you know it was a radio show and then it became a television show and then it wasn't a radio show anymore right it does it, it is puzzling really uh, historically to think about it and then we get to uh you know talk about like uh the late 90s computers and the internet developed to the point that audio files could now start to be uh transferred uh, you know via the internet to computers and an audio file is very large uh, you know a text file is very small an audio file tends to be very 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 large in terms of the number of bytes that it uses up so uh, even when I started the Overnightscape uh, in 2003 and then I also st- I mean pr- prior to that I started uh bluffcosm.com in 2000 it was possible to record audio save it as an mp3 file before that, you would use like real audio or .au or these other <laughs> long-abandoned formats. Now, but uh, MP3 was good because it was compressed. It was actually less large. It was a, it was a, a compression technique that uh, mathematically could reduce the the size, the the weight of the of the um, the, uh, the audio files. And then it was just sort of a slow process of the capacity of home computers, the capacity of the internet, of servers, and everything else, to the point that you know, I started the Overnight Scape in just 2003, right? That's not, historically, not that long ago. I had, I think, 100 megabytes of storage on my web account. So I, did, I had to delete shows as I added new shows because I didn't have enough storage. That sort of happened recently because I, I have so much, my web host has been very uh, tolerant of, of the site. But now they're sort of cracking down on me because I have hundreds and hundreds of gigabytes on there. But it's fine because I have it also on the Internet Archive. I just have to. I'm going to have to sort of relink a lot of the posts to the Internet Archive uh, files. That's I, I, something I have to deal with at some point, you know. Anyway, this uh, perhaps the audio form. So going back to what happened with with radio and television, for you know, I think when we're talking about the end of radio, it feels like right. Obviously, radio as a medium continued on after that '40s '50s time period, but it did end in some ways. Um, now, will uh, you know television actually ended? It was a couple of years ago, and I, I actually was recording during the, during the moment it happened when they declared that a certain date, whatever it was, two thousand five or something—I forget what the actual year—but I have a show where I actually recorded it, like the news programs were like, and now we will end broadcasting on the analog band and switch to digital. So anyone that had an old TV set without a digital converter, all their TV channels would go away. Of course, at by that point most people were on cable, but a few people were probably still watching with the rabbit ear antennas on the little black and white TV and they got nothing but snow. It was over. So, I know that there's a digital radio but they have not and I don't know if there's any thought of switching over to to digital radio as they switch over to digital television um but that if that happens that would be another end of radio but I think that uh right as radio originally meant uh, a transmission over electromagnetic spectrum over the air right um still exists today, but is... I'm talking about the audio transmissions that you can pick up on a radio receiver. Obviously, everything is radio. Your cell phone is radio. Your smartphone is radio. Your Wi-Fi is radio. That's all just radio. It's all radio. You know? So, when you talk about the end of radio as a, <laughs> a means of uh, transmitting information, I mean, I suppose we could come up with another technology... Uh, to transmit information uh, such as uh, suggested in those experiments of entangled quantum particles, the idea that uh, two particles uh, that are sort of entangled, even if they're a distance apart, will replicate the state of the original... Faster than light, they will uh, uh, change their states. So in theory, that you could enable faster than light communication, instantaneous communication a little box here and a little box wherever, right? there would be no tra- radio transmission, but it would just be uh, using the subatomic particles to transfer information, such as audio or any other kind of information. So I suppose the end of radio could com- as a transmission technique could come with the invention of a new uh, technology that uh, enables a similar phenomenon to, to occur without the use of the electromagnetic spectrum, right? I don't know how far along they are on that, but once they have that, then you'd be able to sort of, like, you could, like, operate robots in real time, like, on Mars or something, if Mars exists, but let's not even get into that at this point, Um, because right now, you really can't operate a robot in real time on Mars because it takes light, what, like, eight minutes to get over there, or, right, yeah, something like that. Anyway, um, and then talking about the medium of radio that is spoken word uh, it does seem that as long as humanity is using uh, sound and speech as the main way to communicate abstract ideas there will not be an end to radio but like for example if humanity develops a capacity for high level telepathy right then maybe that will supplant audio but that's a long way off I would imagine But in a number of ways, you know, they use they we're using the word terrestrial radio a lot. You know, I feel like um, my time of listening to the radio is a lot of music, talk radio, and then the uh, the shock jocks, you know, the Howard Stern, Opie and Anthony, and etc. I think I think Rush Limbaugh could, would, is not necessarily a shock jock, but was kind of in the vein of you know, sort of extreme shocking radio. That also seems to be kind of over with at this point over the broadcast medium because. You know, you can't really... There's really not a lot of leeway for any kind of comedy these days. I know there's still, like, a lot of political stuff being said. So, like, a Rush Limbaugh type of show could still exist today. But I don't know if, like, an Opie and Anthony or a Howard Stern could exist on broadcast radio anymore. I'm sure there are some examples of something similar to that. But that was sort of another golden age that ended uh, as both Howard Stern and Opie and Anthony and many others had to switch over to satellite radio because they were just being harassed and crushed by the Federal Communications Commission and, and stuff like that. So that's another kind of end of radio. The crushing uh, control of it, it kind of ruined it again. But of course, we get to podcasting. We get to the idea that you can you can record now essentially an un- unlimited amounts of audio and preserve them and transmit them to people and people can hear them. And in our case, not just an ephemeral transmission, but then a permanent record, uh, a permanent on-demand a uh, system, uh, a file archive, which is now, you know, it's like 600 gigabytes now or, or thereabouts. Um, which, right, for some reason we've sort of hit a little bit of a snag in, in hard drives and stuff that a terabyte of storage, which could easily store our, our entire thing, has been much slower coming down in price than a megabyte was or gigabyte was for some reason a terabyte is like stuck you know like a terabyte flash drive should cost like five like, like five dollars but it doesn't if you're going by the previous generations of, of storage i know each one is a thousand times more than the last one but it that's what's been happening who knows how all this stuff really works it's you know it's, it's wild a, a trillion bytes of information. And you can get a, a terabyte flash drive, but it costs about two two to three hundred dollars now, so I think no, I think it's going down actually. I've seen them for like 150 200 maybe. Anyway, when I made my newtime radio page at newtimeradio.com, I did mention all this stuff about you know radio having a rich uh ra- range of, of content and and uh, how it sort of was was neutered when television came along. But what I was calling new time radio, before podcasting became the term, it was an exciting return to the potential of audio. And again, listening to audio, right, without the picture, without a moving image, is not just – I know people could say television is demonstrably better. It's the same thing. It's the audio, but then plus something else, the video, but the audio with the video produces a very different experience in, 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 the, in the person receiving this, right? It is not just radio plus the image. It is a different experience altogether. I know one of the, the more common um, ways of putting it is that, you know, sort of you, when you're listening to radio, it's theater of the mind. Like you're visualizing the suggested images yourself. Inside your imagination as opposed to seeing it and that's one way of looking at it that that makes it a completely different medium though it's not necessarily particularly intuitive that it should be so different right that it's I certainly believe that it is and I think that um, television is a great medium in, unto itself but it's very different than than radio right so with uh, this, the advent of this, these technologies, what we call podcasting now, we're able to go back and, and start to produce these things. And then what we have sort of carved out here in the OnSug is this long-form, rambling, uh, no-set-topic kind of uh, form. And I feel like this, to me, is the medium I love, is the art form I love, and I, there's something about it that is so, again, important, significant, Cool. I don't know what to say, but it's almost sort of like uh, we can do things. But we this like this kind of show could really never be on broadcast radio. Though I did do the Rampler on WFMU briefly, but that didn't really work out, did it? Anyway, so I was on the real radio at some point. My 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 voice was being converted to transmitted electromagnetic energy. Yes. But I think in terms of the significance of people's lives... Like, when I'm in my car, I would never listen to the radio. I have a little flash drive, listen to music, whatever. There's just not anything good on the radio anymore. It just feel very... not really very relevant. There's really no music channels that I particularly care for anymore. The music I want to hear, I have to bring into my car on my flash drive or just play from my phone. Right? And, uh... The major other stuff, news and uh, political talk, are stuff that uh, I don't. It's a sort of a personal rule. I don't. I will not listen to that stuff or watch that stuff. I'll read it online, but um, I, I don't. I don't like it, and I'm not into the partisan politics stuff. I don't listen or watch any of this. The, the news commentary on television or on radio. I feel it's just incredibly toxic and not so, and something that disgusts me personally so I avoid it so there's not really a lot for me to listen to on the radio so the radio is really kind of ended for me and largely uh, you know, although I did get I did buy a radio recently just, just in case there's some sort of societal upheaval or solar flare that well a solar flare will knock out electronics but you know what I'm talking about it can be very useful to have a radio if the internet goes out for example which if there's a power failure you're not going to have any internet. Well, you might on your phone, but... A radio would be very good. As as there was a p- huge power failure here with that Hurricane uh, Sandy, I set up a radio to just... That was my only connection to the outside world. This was a long time, like 2012 or something. So radio in an emergency sense still has some sort of meaning, but... I don't know. I feel in some ways terrestrial radio is kind of already dead. In, in many ways, it's ended... And and satellite radio, I think, is a kind of a bust as well. I I never had that. I I only had it when like when the when you get you get a car and they give you three months free, then you're supposed to subscribe to it. Yeah, I, I never subscribed. Anyway, the end of radio. And I think in some ways it's already ended, and in some ways it'll never end. Back to you, PQ.
0: Yeah, I I think it's pretty much ended like you know, like the end of Mortal Kombat. That it, it, it's had its head torn off, and the blood has gone flying off. And yes, there is something still shambling around on our airwaves that resemble. I mean, I've been in the, car, the, the cars with very few. I don't travel around, but when I am, it really seems like people have this station here locally. There are only a few, and it's like. That oldies album rock, and there are what maybe two, three hundred songs that are in that genre, and they they, the forever these songs are just gonna go round and round and round and maybe it's a generational thing, but that's pretty much what passes for radio. Uh, for most of the, and they're fine with it. It's, it's, it they, I'm along, and it's their favorite songs, and I'm, I can understand that. I can't relate to it, and that isn't going to do it for me. But that's what radio has become for all of us. I mean, and and radio itself, like the commercial radio, <coughs> there were transitions. There were times, you know, Jack Benny tried to do his show on both radio and TV, but that there were conventions to the radio show. Like on the radio show, Jack Benny kept his money in this underground vault in his home that was guarded by Carmichael the polar bear. And that was never going to be on television. On the radio, he would go through the lagoon, and there would be the guard who spent his whole life there. And you could picture it in your head so vividly, but you could never, like, shoot it on TV and it would work. Um, Radio really was a special delivery system of storytelling I mean all those exciting like shows like Escape and Suspense and all these great programs could tell you a story in your head on such a small budget and to do it on it just they are tone wise and what they can do in their interaction with your imagination to completely different things i mean it hasn't been since we even cgi still can't do what we can imagine we're getting closer i mean in the recent months i've watched a lot of recent films that i have skipped avoided and not seen and i can uh see that we've moved forward in how we can depict things and tell stories but it's still not where it would need to be so you could do, like, a radio show. Can you imagine? But um, that's really what killed radio. They were... uh, It was just going to be cheaper if they kept radio to, you know, some guy playing records or a pre-packaged program, you know, Arthur Godfrey, uh, and even that kind of... I mean, what do we have left? Lake Wobegon went the few um, programs that even had anything to do with the essence of old radio over the last 10-15 years have all gone out to pasture and I don't see people clamoring for it I don't see our listenership suddenly skyrocketing because there is some lack in society of this but there are people to whom this is gold. And uh, that's, I mean, we do it out of habit and some sort of pleasure we get from it. And I am very appreciative that this form persists in this manner. Um, it's a lot more convenient. I mean, at a certain point, up till a few years ago, uh, this would have been done at a specific time, until a specific time, and then it would be gone. Forever, Um, you might be able to find a transcription disc somewhere or some collector who recorded it. But for all intents and purposes, it was pretty much gone. Forever, Uh, you said your piece, it went out into the ether, and now it's traveling out into space at the speed of light uh, and never to return, at least in any form that we are aware of oh man and radio uh, radio has hit an end but you got on sug anyways that's the way i'm looking at it and uh yeah we got to thank chad bowers and frank edward nora and you for making this another fabulous unique overnight scape central and um what are we going to talk about next week we are going to talk about woody allen Oh, boy, here we go. This could be good. This could be uh, kind of flat. But uh, next week, right here on the Overnight Scave Central, I am personally inviting you to join us to talk about Woody Allen. The deadline for the program to be sure to be on will be next Monday, June 20th, 2022, right up there against the longest day of the year. Are you ready for it? oh man it has been so hot here Uh, but luckily as you can hear uh, if you can take the sound of the air conditioner you can survive in the Nicho Legatura Institute so there is that so next week we have a date Uh, I want you to record something and uh, we are gonna talk about Woody Allen and I mean His comedy movies and his comedy writing alone. I mean, full stop, all the controversy and all that other stuff. I mean, I'm sure somebody will want to go into it, but I I don't. This is a man who has made a movie, what, every year for umpteen billion years. And these are very finely crafted films. He's made some of the funniest movies I've ever seen. And, uh, yeah, it's Woody Allen time. And uh, the email address to send your contribution recording, or you can write something up and I'll read it on your behalf. The email address being kpqr.com. T O R C at gmail.com. I'll repeat that. K P Q R dot T O R C at gmail.com is where you send it, and uh, I will be awaiting uh, eagerly your uh, your ideas and thoughts. And, uh, yep, it'll be another great Overnight Scape Central next week, and I really hope, if nothing else, you're here listening. And, uh, with that, I think we've covered all the bases, and uh, we'll catch you the next time around. Till then, set the controls for the heart of the fun.